Okay, so today what we're going to talk about is, sorry, just setting up the recording. There we go. So we, it's getting close to Rosh Hashanah, of course, and um, it's actually just about the month of Elul, and I'm sure you're all familiar with um, all the internal preparations that come along with that, and it's the time of year where we, people do a lot of introspection, and they start thinking about their lives, and they start deciding um, different things, things that have been weighing on them or choices they need to make, right? This is what happens this time of year. We become very focused on our inner selves. Um, so I want to ask you a question, okay? And then we'll get back to all of that. What is the longest, okay? We're talking about the maximum, statistically, the maximum amount of time that people follow through on their New Year's resolutions every year. A month, one week. week. Two weeks. Okay, you're pretty generous. Um, one day. A week. You're a little pessimistic. <laughs> Three weeks. Um, in fact, statistically, the maximum amount of, of days, and I guess the um, majority of the people, follow through with their New Year's resolutions for 15 days. 15 days. That's it. Are you speaking from experience? Is that how you knew? <laughs> you fit right in. In fact, by the way, do you know that the gyms all across America, all across the U.S., the gyms increase in their membership every year in January uh, by a huge percentage. Okay, They increase in their membership, but yet not one gym actually puts in extra lockers. Okay, because they all know everyone's going to sign up in January. Everyone's going to have we're going to have you know fifty, sixty percent more people, mm-hmm. but no one is going to by February. We're going to be back to the regulars. Okay, so my question to you is why? Why does this happen? We make all these resolutions, and again, we're coming to Rosh Hashanah now. That's our New Year, and when we make our resolutions, right? Why does this happen? Why do we? make these decisions and we're going to change and then you know at the end of everything you know we get all inspired and at the end of everything we're just down to what we the same person we were before right so why does this happen um so in order to get there let's first understand a few things and before we and i'm going to start with telling all of you Okay, we're going to get very intimate and personal now, okay? You ready? Mm-hmm. I'm going to start by telling you um, my autobiography in five chapters. Are you ready to hear this? My autobiography. Okay. Chapter one. I'm walking down the street. There's a big hole in the street. I see the hole, and yet I walk right into it, and I fall right down the hole. It's very scary in there. It's frightening. I don't know where I am. I don't know how to get out, and it's really scary. But yet, I managed to get out, and I also know all along that it's not my fault. Like, I just, I kind of just tripped into the hole, okay? I didn't know what to expect. So I know it's not my fault. It's difficult, but I get out. Chapter two. I'm walking down the street. There's a big hole in the street. I see it in front of me. And I know I'm not going to fall in this time. And I keep walking. And all of a sudden, there I am in the hole. And I fell in. And again, it's scary, but it's not as frightening as it was the first time because now it's familiar. I know where I am, and I know that I can get out. And again, 
this time it was my fault a little more, but I still keep blaming the city for having a stupid hole in the street, okay? But I do get out. Chapter three. I walk down the street. There's a big hole in the street. This time I know I'm not gonna fall in. I promise myself. I promise myself. I'm like, I see that hole. I see you. I'm not gonna fall in. And I walk and I walk and I'm confident. And all of a sudden, where am I? I'm down in the hole. But this time I'm not scared at all. It became part of my lifestyle. I learned how to climb out and in no time I'm out. Chapter four. I'm walking down the street. There's a big hole in the street. I get to the hole. I walk around it. And I continue walking. I don't find it. Chapter five. I walk down a different street. Does everybody understand my biography? Mm-hmm. Hey, welcome. Thank you. Now raise your hand, be very honest. Raise your hand if you share this autobiography. Does anyone have a similar autobiography to this? Where we keep walking, you're like, oh, should, I admit, should I admit it? <laughs> right, each in your own way. We walk down the same street again and again, even though there's a hole in it. We keep making the same choices, the same decision, the same mistakes. We keep doing the same things even when we know they're bad for us, right? How many times did we say, I'm going to stop eating this or stop doing this or stop behaving this way or stop saying this? How many people I know who keep choosing over and over again the same type of guy that they keep dating? And that guy is always bad news, always. And they, the same guy again and again, right? In a different, with a different face and a different name. And we often make these same decisions even though we know they're bad for us. Okay, and we just fall into that hole. Why does this happen? Anybody know? Why do we do this? Even when we know that I see that hole, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fall into it this time. Boom, there we are. Comfort zone. Okay, so first of all, we are creatures of comfort. We love to be comfortable. I have a love-hate relationship with comfort. Okay, on one hand, I love it. Who doesn't love to be comfortable, right? That's what we aim for. We don't want to be in pain. We want to be comfortable. We don't want to work too hard. But people ask me, they're like, because when I, I just moved, you know, I just moved here. So people ask me, um, and I, I, I always tell them, I'm, I was afraid actually before I came, I was a little nervous about the heat, about the humidity. I don't like the humidity. I don't like the heat so much. And people say, oh do, you prefer, oh, do you like the cold? You don't like the heat, you like the cold. And I say, no, I don't like the cold either. I just like to be comfortable. Why do I have to like the heat or the cold? <laughs> I just want to be comfortable, right? That's what we want. We just want comfort in our lives. That's what we're aiming for. So on one hand, yes, you're right. Part of our problem is, and part of the reason we make decisions that might not be the best decisions for us um, is because we're afraid to actually get out of a certain comfort zone that we're in. I want to come back to this topic in a few minutes, okay? I want to talk first about the other reason that we keep falling into the hole. Not only are we creatures of comfort, we're also creatures of habit. habit. And we just like to do things because that's how we know how to do them. We're used to doing them, and it's hard to change a habit. It's hard to change something that we've been doing for so long. It's hard to change an action. It's hard to change a behavior. It's hard to change um, a philosophy. 
It's hard to change a belief. And sometimes we're, we grow up with a certain conditioning to believe a certain way, to think a certain way, to dress a certain way, to do certain things. And when we have to break out of that, it's hard for us. Sometimes if we hear something new, we have a hard time accepting it because, uh-oh, that means I have to change something. Now, if, there, if this is right, that means what I'm doing is wrong. And then that means what? Welcome. And that means what? If, if I just discover that there's something else that's a greater truth than what I believed till now, that means what? That means I have to make a change. That means maybe what I'm doing is wrong and I have to change. How many people in this room like to change? You, do, you like to change? You like yeah. change? Okay. I Okay. I like to change for the first 15 days. <laughs> 15 days, exactly. <laughs> you missed it, but we said before that when people make like a New Year's resolution, usually it lasts about 15 days, okay. right? Um, exactly. So we like to, sometimes you could try a change, but it's hard to really be consistent with it because all of a sudden, like, it's just too much to change too, too many things in your life. Or, you know, we're afraid of change for a few reasons, except for you. <laughs> so if anybody wants... Well, so here's the thing. I think there are pros and cons to that. On one hand, of course, the pros are that life is all about change. And we have to constantly make changes in life, which we'll discuss in a few minutes. Why? Why can't I just stay in my comfort zone? Right? But on the other hand, um, not having a routine in a way is not a good recipe for success. Right? Because, you know, you're here, you're there, you're everywhere. And sometimes, you know, you're not consistent enough. So there's definitely pros and cons. But for our discussion right now, it's a mad pro. Right? It's great that you like, that you're not, that you enjoy changes. Do you also enjoy changes that happen to you or just changes that you choose? I mean, both. Okay. I mean, it depends on the scenario. Like, I might like some changes and I might not like others. But in the long run, the ones I don't like... Maybe good. I just mean I like mm-hmm. it because I'm not comfortable with it. Ah, okay, so you have a good attitude. Like, you're not afraid of getting out of your comfort zone. No. Okay, excellent. Mm-hmm. So if part of, part of our, our issue is, and I do think the majority of the people, uh, you know, just like there's one person out of everyone, <laughs> okay? So statistically, the vast majority of people um, don't, don't like change, right? Most of us don't. It's, it's difficult. And there are a few main reasons why we don't like change that we'll talk about right now okay so number one we don't one one area where we uh, one thing i guess one obstacle let's put it that way one obstacle in change is what we like to call fear okay we're afraid we're afraid of change there are three basic fears that i want to talk about right now number one is the fear of Failure. failure Okay, we're afraid to fail. What? Okay. Lucky guess. Very good. Well, okay, so we'll talk about that now. Fear of failure. Okay, why are we afraid to fail? And many people are, in fact, afraid to fail. What are you afraid of when you think about it? Letting someone down. Like, for me, it's letting some people down. Ah, fear of disappointing people. Oh, so this is something else that I want to talk about afterwards, or we can just say it now. Um, Fear of disappointing people or the fear of judgment of others is a big one, right? What are they going to say? What are people going to say about me, 
right? Whether it's family, whether it's friends, whether it's strangers, we don't care who they are, but they're going to judge me. And that is actually a huge, huge thing. This is what stops people very, very often. People tell me all the time, um, they're, they don't like their job, they have bigger aspirations, they have bigger goals, they, are, they have all these you know, ambitious um, ideas that they want to do, but yet they're staying in a job that is so limiting for them and a job that they don't like. And I, and I say to them, so why don't you leave? and pursue the things that you want to do. Oh, no, I can't leave. Who said it's going to be better if I leave? You know, people were afraid to make that change. Or, or who said it's going to be better? Or, but what are they going to say? What's my family going to say? What are my parents going to say? What are my, uh, what are my coworkers going to say? My, my soon-to-be ex-coworkers, so really who cares, right? What are people going to say? And I think that is probably a question that runs our lives, right? Um, uh, that are... It, it, whether this is a physical change that we have to make, whether this is an emotional change, or whether this is a spiritual change, right? Even spiritually, uh, sometimes we want to take the next step in our spiritual growth, and we don't because what are they going to say, right? What's my family going to say? What are my friends going to say? I need to fit in. I need to be like everyone else, and it inhibits us. And this, by the way, between you and me, is I think one of the major causes of anxiety today. We live in a society that's full of anxiety. And I think one of the main causes is when we're afraid to do what we really want to do deep down, but we're so afraid of being judged for it. And we're so afraid of other people's opinions that we kind of live in a place that we don't feel we want to be in. You live for others and not for yourself. Exactly. Exactly. You're not living for yourself. You're living for other people. Has it always been like that? Um, I don't think it's always been like that. I do think that in certain, you know, I'm not saying this is brand new, right? I do believe that judgment existed throughout the year. This is, I mean, if you read in Perkei Avot, which was written a very long time ago, this is not a contemporary book, right? It's part of the oral Torah. So we're talking about it's a couple thousand years old. And it speaks about judgment, right? It speaks about judging people favorably. Judgment is a concept that's always been around, right? So it's definitely not something new, but I do think, and I still want to hear what you have to say. You wanted to say something before? Okay, so hold that thought for a minute. But I do think that um, in our society today, where, first of all, everybody is more out there. People used to be more private. There used to be just a few people who were big, a few people who were well-known. Today, anyone can be well-known, right? You just post a few good memes on Instagram and everyone knows you, right? That's it. You're, you're well-known. You story every day. People see your face. They know you. It didn't used to be like that until a few years ago. It was those few people. You wrote a book. Ah, if it was a book that made it, people knew who you were. Maybe you had an interview somewhere on some talk show and people knew you, Right? So today, we're more out there, which on one hand is not as good. There's a lot more anxiety because of that. There's a lot more of a need for perfection. There's a lot more of fear of judgment. And there is a lot more judgment, actual judgment. Okay? On the other hand, of course, it has its benefits because there's an opportunity for you to get out there that you didn't used to have. It, you, like Musicians, singers, there used to be a handful of them because we only knew the people who made it. Today, there are so many talented people all over YouTube. You have a talent, you have a platform for it. So, of course, it has its pros and cons, but when you, as soon as you put yourself out there, you're going to be judged. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. 
right? So that's the reason why it's stronger today than it's been before. And that's also why I think we have more anxiety today than we had in the past, okay? And, and, and anxiety is just one area, one thing that manifests from this. And I'm using that because it's just so many of us experience it. And this is a big part of the reason, you know, we're not living our, our lives. We're living the lives that we think other people think we should live. And we're defining ourselves by that also. We're not defining ourselves today by who we are. So many people don't even know who they are. How do we define ourselves today? We define ourselves by the person that I think that you think that I am. Does that make sense? It's not even, I'm not defining myself by who I am. I'm not defining myself by who you think I am. I'm defining myself by who I think that you think that I am. Right? You see how messed up this is. Right? So we're not able to be ourselves because who am I even? I don't even know where to begin finding myself because I just care so much about what others think. Okay? Now, what did you want to say? I just wanted to finish that thought. Uh, the, the fear of failing comes from maybe thinking that you might not be able to go back to when you were at the good times. You know? So if you fail, you think that you might not be able to you might not be able to go back on time. Mm, okay, again. so you're saying that the fear of failure comes from the fear of loss. Yeah. Then you lose the person that you were. Yeah. Right? That is a huge thing, by the way, and it is a part of the fear of failure. It's um, the fear of any change. It, a lot of it comes from um, mourning the person that I was. If I make a change in my life, that means I am no longer. What you're saying, it's not just a fear, it's actual reality in a way. You never change the essence of who you are. Your soul and who you really are, that's who you'll always be. But you might change your narrative. You might have to change the way you view yourself. You might have to change the stories you've been telling yourself for so long. And you become a healthier person or a stronger person or a more successful person. So you're, you're letting go of the limited beliefs, the limiting and limited beliefs that you had before. You're letting go of some of the conditioning that you've had before, right? Um, and you're just uh, becoming more and more of your true self. But you are saying goodbye to a part of yourself that you lived with for so long. So that part is hard because you're actually mourning a part of yourself. You're actually, it's death to the person you were or it's death to the person you thought you were. So it's an actual fear. It's very, this fear of death is the greatest fear that there is. So this is a very real fear, okay? So I would actually, I would add that in as a separate fear. I wouldn't even necessarily say, I wouldn't even say that it's the same as, as failure. I would say it's the, de- it's the fear of loss of no, yourself. But when I, what I meant with that was when you gave the example of the job, like if you don't oh. like it and why don't you quit, is, that's when it... Like, You're saying if my you, new job doesn't work out, then yeah, I lost that, the other one yeah, and I didn't... Yeah, that was better. Uh, so exactly. you failed. So okay. like you can't go back. Okay. Yeah, so in that sense, 100%. You, mm-hmm. you, you're talking about an actual, you know, specific case of the job where you'll lose what you had and you didn't succeed in what you were trying to do, so now where am I? Right? Now I just failed big time and I'm completely lost in my life. Okay, so that is for sure true, but here's what we need to understand. Failure has a very bad rap. Okay, we all think of failure as something negative. 
maybe we've been taught this. Right? Maybe we've been taught that failure is actually something bad. But failure is actually something very good. Failure is a step toward success because we cannot possibly strengthen the areas in ourselves that need strengthening. And we cannot actually grow in any way if we don't first experience a down within it. Because how, how eventually, even if I succeed at my first shot, you know, beginner's luck, right? Have you ever like gone bowling and you get a strike right away and you're like, look at me, I'm so good at this, right? And you're like knocking it out of the park, but you don't really know what you're doing. You just kind of had this beginner's luck and then all of a sudden you start failing and you start like, you lose the game, even though you started off so well. Does this happen to anyone, right? Um, so like when I go bowling, I tell my kids, like I want you to video my first shot because I'm great in the beginning, <laughs> right? Just I want to see how good I am. Right? No, but this, so that's kind of beginner's luck. You're not really succeeding. Only when you fail are you actually able to succeed because failure brings out the qualities that need to change or failure brings out the concepts or the ideas that really aren't bringing you in the right direction. So if you fail in, in a certain pursuit, if you fail in something that, you, you know, that you're trying to do, then what happens after you fail? You can have two different reactions. What's reaction number one? that you were talking about? It's like, you're lost. Oh gosh, I lost. Forget it. I'm a loser. I'm a failure. I'm never going to get anywhere in life. Right? Uh, And you just sit on your couch, Netflix, potato chips. Right? That's it. I'm not going to be anyone. I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm a loser. It's like disappointed. You're disappointed in yourself. Right? You give up on yourself. What's reaction number two? Use it as a motivation. Use it as a motivation. You say, oh, wait, okay, this direction didn't work. Let me change directions. Maybe this is where I need to be. I think failure is actually a direct message from God. He's saying, no, 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 that's not what you're supposed to be doing. You need to be doing this. And we need to take that for a moment and say, wait a second. This didn't work out. I'm not supposed to be doing that. I need to figure out what are my strengths? Or which is a, what is a better idea for this project? I'm not, it's not supposed to be right. Maybe I need to go left. Maybe I need to go straight. Maybe I need to go up. Maybe I need to go down. There are, so many, there are so many directions in this world. It's not just one direction. So what we need to understand, and this is what I think is the cause for the first reaction. We confuse failing with being a failure. Failing something does not mean that you are a failure. And if we don't succeed in something, and sometimes we're very impatient and we expect to succeed right away, the first time, right? If we don't, then we think we can't do it. We, we stop believing in ourselves. Usually, that means that we never believed in ourselves to begin with, right? I want, okay, I'm going to, you're all familiar with Harry Potter, Okay, who doesn't know about Harry Potter? Mm-hmm. Harry Potter is a book that is being read for you know, over a decade already by five-year-olds and by 85-year-olds and everyone in between. Okay, we're talking about the best of the best sellers that ever was, the biggest hit ever. J.K. Rowling, the author of Harry Potter, do you know how many times she tried to publish it and she got rejected? Did you know this? She didn't just try the first time and people jumped on board and said, oh, Harry Potter, I want to publish that. People read the manuscript and they were like, 
what is this thing? What, this weird magician, wizard, like living in an alternate universe parallel to the regular one? This is so weird. She was rejected 12 times. She finally made it on her 13th try. I don't know about you, but I mean, if I were to write a book and put my heart and soul in it, and I would show it to a professional publisher who knows what they're talking about, and they looked at this manuscript and they said to me, no, no I'm sorry, this is not going to make I it. Wouldn't be writing. What am I going to say? <laughs> Same thing as you. I'd be like, okay, they know. Maybe I'm not a writer. Okay, forget it. I tried. Goodbye. J.K. Rowling said, no, no, no. I'm a good writer, and this is a good book. I'm going to try someone else. She didn't take no for an answer. We're so quick to accept the no from other people. We're so quick to accept other people's opinions, other people's judgment, other people's no's, and we take it personally, right? Just because somebody told us no, why does that mean that that's the final answer? And that's what she did. She took it and she ran with it. Okay, do you know who Jack Canfield is? Okay, have you heard of the book Chicken Soup for the Soul? Of course you did. Because everybody knows about Chicken Soup for the Soul and how many books were put out and how many incredible stories were written. I'm going to tell you something that's going to blow your mind right now. Jack Canfield, the author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, do you know how many times he was rejected? He showed the original manuscript around and around and around to 144 publishers. Every one of them laughed at him and said, are you crazy? Who's going to read a book called Chicken Soup for the Soul? (laughs) Can you imagine? Until he found one low-key amateur, I think, they were amateur, not anymore, publisher in New York who looked at it and said, this is cool, I'll give it a try. Could you imagine? 144? How much self-confidence does that take? He knew that he had a product that was worth selling. He did not decide that just because it was rejected that he was a failure. You know what he said? I mean, I'm paraphrasing. I assume he said this because based on his actions, he said it's their loss, not mine. It's their loss. They don't want to write this amazing book. I'll find someone who wants to be a part of this. We confuse failing with being a failure. There's nothing wrong with failing. It doesn't mean that we are a failure. Do you know the only time we actually fail at something? Because again, I said failing means it's just one step towards success. When you don't try. The only time we fail is when we fail at something and then we fail to try again. When we give up, when we accept other people's no, then we fail. Still, it doesn't mean we're a failure, by the way, because we, we decide that. We determine that. It's our choices. It's our perspective. Okay? So that's fear of failure. Then we also discussed the fear of loss, the fear of death, the fear of losing ourselves when we make a change. That's a serious thing also that we need to understand uh, we're not. Because we're not losing the essence of who we are. The essence of you, your soul, it's always there, no matter what anyone else says. And and I'm going to say something right now that if there's anything that you remember from tonight, it should be this, okay? Listening? Listen up. It should be this. 
Someone else's opinion of you does not determine your reality. No matter what anyone else thinks about you, it does not change the essence of who you are. No matter what anyone says, if, you, if someone insults you, if someone rejects you, it does not change the essence of who you are. You are who you are regardless of their opinion. And I know somebody, somebody that I'm very close with, um, actually she grew up in my home. So I'll tell you, I'll share with you a few details, what? A beautiful story. I'm not gonna get to the whole story now because I really wanna finish this topic, but I definitely will share more parts of this with you um, when I see you again next. Um, but um, I grew up in a fascinating household. Um, I am one of 10 biological siblings, and then we also had eight foster siblings living in my home, and many, many other people. We had the, uh, an open door policy in my home. The door was always open. There were always strangers. I remember once walking into my home, and I called my, my mom at work. And I said to her, Ima, there's this guy on the couch. Do you know, is he supposed to be here? She said, describe him to me. I described him. She said, oh yeah, he's harmless. He can stay. <laughs> That's just the kind of house I lived in, you know? Um, I remember actually a few years ago, I was already, you know, out of the house, married with my own family, but my mother had a robbery in our home. And uh, somebody had climbed in through the second floor window. They put a ladder in the front, climbed in. They hurt themselves in the process because we saw that the ladder had blood on it. They cut themselves Okay, and they went in, um, they stole a computer, some cash, whatever, a few things, and they went out. And when my mother called me the next morning to tell me the story, what happened? I said, people are so dumb. Can't they see what's going on? It's so easy. He could have have broken into my house without hurting himself. He should just come in the middle of the day. The door is unlocked. (laughs) He has to go through the whole bother, climbing in through the window, sneaking in. Walks in there in the day, we'll offer him a cup of hot soup, you know, like a bowl of soup. So that's the kind of home I grew up in. So there was one girl who, who, who grew up with us. She was from an, an abusive home, and she came to live with us. And um, in fact, we took in a few of her brothers also. It was a whole long story that I'll, I'll tell you one day. I told you the whole story, right? And, and you also. Um, and she, and she comes to, it was really a very, very, very difficult situation in her home. And yet, she was a surprisingly very emotionally healthy person. Not all of her siblings were. We had to send a lot of them for therapy. We really, my mother actually helped you know, build up a lot of them, their self-esteem. We really worked a lot with them. But she was very, very healthy. She actually didn't even need any outside help, which was surprising. Um, she, came, she comes from a total mess in her family. And she also had no hard feelings taught her, toward her father, who was very abusive toward them unlike some of her other siblings, very, you know, no judgment, rightfully so, you know, but she didn't experience those negative emotions and feelings toward her father. And, and after a while, after getting to know her a little bit, I came to an understanding of why, of how she can be this way. How can you build yourself up? How can you actually be um, so strong and not blame and not become a victim, right? It was very simple. She did not take anything that happened personally. In her mind, her perspective was, my father's crazy, this is on him, this is not on me. 
And no matter what he tells me, and no matter how he makes me feel, and no matter what he does to me, that is irrelevant. It doesn't change the essence of who I am. That's his problem, not mine. Isn't that incredible? And that's the key, by the way. This is the key to a healthy self-esteem. This is the key to not taking things personally, not letting other people's impressions or opinions bother us. This is the key to not getting angry. Because what is anger? When we get angry at someone, anger is that distance between expectation and reality. Right? I had a certain expectation. This was supposed to happen, but this happened instead. That didn't happen. Now I'm angry. Right? Or somebody said something or did something to me that wasn't what I expected, that wasn't what I wanted to hear, that wasn't what I needed to hear. Now I'm angry. We take, we, we, we the, determine our reality based on other people's behaviors or other people's opinions of us. And if we were be able to take a step back and say, okay, so somebody just insulted me or somebody just did something or said something or took my parking spot or whatever. <clears throat> just today, by the way, I had an experience, such road rage from someone. I've, it's, it was a while since I experienced that. I was backing out of, a, of one of those side parking spots that you have to back out of onto the main street and leave. And that's all I did. I just backed up so that I can go in the direction I needed to go. In those, I don't know, 30 seconds that it took me to back up, there was a guy coming this way. He was so angry. He was like leaning on his horn, giving me the finger through the window mm. and yelling. I saw his mouth, his like veins were popping out. And I just looked at him and I'm like, what's your problem? Mm-hmm. Like, poor guy. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so people do take that personally. I just looked at him and I said, I'm leaving now, but he has to live with himself. This guy has to live with that anger, you know? And, and we get angry so quickly and so easily. We take things so personally, what he thought, he thought, you know, he expected to go ahead of me and I backed up and he wanted, I don't know what, you know, what made him so angry, but sometimes we take things so personally and it just, it makes everything worse, okay? Talk about anxiety, right? This is another way to create anxiety for ourselves, right? So this is what we need to understand also. Um, that no matter what anyone says, no matter anyone's opinion, it's not personal. It doesn't change the essence of who I am. I know who I am deep down. Okay? And there's one more thing. We're going to finish off. What time is it? Oh, okay. So sometime, um, wait, there's, uh, there's another fear that I want to talk about right now, which is, surprisingly, the fear of success. Have you ever heard of the fear of success? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, you've heard of it. Okay. Have you ever experienced the fear of success? But it's all, it's, it also has to do a lot with what others are going to think. Like, if I do well, and then, you know, others were expecting something else of me, so how do I make them accept the success as well? Yeah, there's no question that it's also related to other people's opinions. All the fears in general are related to other people's opinions. That's for sure. Some of them, um, some of them more than others, which the one we'll talk about afterwards is certainly much more of a personal fear. Than, you know, than, than of what we think other people might think. Uh, but fear of success, uh, yeah, it's about what other people think, it's, but it's also about, um, how do I define the fear of success? It's afraid of getting too big. It's afraid of doing too much. And I've heard people say to me, somebody mentions to me very often, I'm too big. I'm just too much. I'm too big. Nobody knows how to handle me. So therefore, I just stay small. You know? And I always say to her, what does it mean you're too big? Just do it. Who cares if people around you don't know how to handle you? 
right? A lot of what you just said. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Just do what you want to do and what you feel is the right thing to do. Being too big means I'm afraid to succeed. And um, you know Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote um, um, <laughs> Eat, Pray, Love. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Eat, Pray, Love. Everybody knows me. I'm like, wasn't you that book? Well, um, everyone knows Eat, Pray, Love, right? It was a bestseller. Millions and millions of copies sold. Um, she, you know, that, that's how she became known. That's how, how she became the person she is, even though she's written things before. This was her passport book to fame. And I watched a TED Talk of hers. And first of all, she's a pleasure to listen to because she's so eloquent. You know, and somebody just like when their words just flow and they kind of like swim in their words. So it's a pleasure to listen to her. But I picked up uh, from what she was saying in her TED Talk, she was afraid of success. She was so scared after she wrote this book when there was this expectation of another book just as good and even better. That's when she froze. That's when she panicked. Like all of a sudden she put out this amazing book. Uh Uh-oh, now what? Now I have to live up to the success. Right? Sometimes we're afraid of what comes next. So we don't want to be big or we don't want to do anything. We'd rather stay small because we don't think we can handle the success. Okay? So this is a fear. We're afraid of success. Meanwhile, just like you handled the first success, you'll handle the second success. And it's not a competition. Right? It's not a competition. You don't have to be better than you were. You just have to maintain. You have to just be who you are. You just have to do your thing. The idea is to give. The idea is to create. The idea is to, is to take responsibility for our lives and give to the world what we need to give. Nobody's counting. We don't have to count. We don't have to compete. Right? So that fear of success, we need to be able to put it into perspective. Okay? It's only a fear if we care about other people's judgment. It's only a fear if we care about impressing other people. If we're just here to give to the world, then it doesn't matter what we do, okay? And then the last fear is the fear of the unknown. The fear of the unknown. We're so afraid to open that door. What's behind the door? And as human beings, we, we're weird a little bit. We prefer known hells to unknown heavens, mm-hmm. right? Even if we know that what's behind that door is better for us. Even if I know that if I leave my job that I really hate, and by the way, I don't say that lightly because the first thing to do when you really don't like your job is to learn how to like it, okay? It's our responsibility to learn how to like it, all right? Just getting that out there. Um, But if it turns out that we really can't, if it turns out that we're being taken advantage of or abused in some way or... It's just really not fulfilling us, right? Then obviously we need to look for a new job. I'm not talking about just being petty and being like, well, I expected 40 hours of vacation that I didn't get, right? I'm not talking about that, okay? No entitlement. But if you really tried, okay, to um, make it work and and you really don't like it, uh, but you're afraid to leave anyway and you're just staying small in that job, then... uh, we, we need to, we, this is when we need to take a step back and say, what am I afraid of? I'm afraid of the unknown. I'm afraid I might fail. I'm afraid I might succeed. I'm afraid it might not be as good as this one. Maybe this one is going to be better than what I'll find next. You never know. You never know. It might be better. And this is the same with relationships. Sometimes people remain in toxic relationships, either with a friend, right? They're in a relationship with a friend who's taking advantage of you, with a friend who's... Um, 
just toxic for you. Or in marriages, or in a parent-to-child relationship, sometimes we remain in relationships that we can get out of because we're just afraid. We're afraid of the unknown. We're afraid of what's going to be out there behind that door, even when I know 100% it will be better than what I have now. We're afraid. And people stay in these relationships for a very, very long time. Even the Jewish people when we were leaving Egypt. right? When the Jewish people left Egypt. Do you know how many people left? Not the whole nation left Egypt. What? 20%. 20%. Yeah. Only 20%. Only a fifth of the Jewish people actually left Egypt. you know why? Because the other 80% was too afraid to leave, even though they were miserable. They were in, in an abusive relationship with Egypt. They were oppressed. They were abused. Right? They were enslaved. Hi. Hi. My daughter. Yeah. Yeah, hi. We just said hi. <laughs> <laughs> Have a seat. Um, even though, even though they were in a, in, in a horrible um, situation in Egypt, they were still afraid to leave. They were afraid of the unknown, even though they knew it was going to be better. Right? That's how deeply rooted it is. Right? That's how deep it is inside of us. So. So this is, uh, this, these are the, the main fears, the main reasons we're so afraid to change. Now, before we finish up with maybe understanding of how to get over it, um, I want to ask you a question. Why do we have to change at all? Right? Why are we sitting here talking about the importance of change? Like, really, who cares if I stay in my comfort zone for the rest of my life? Why is it a big deal? I, in, a, in, in a way, I think, you know, everybody's so busy talking about get out of the comfort zone, get out. Life is so much better out there. I Personally, I think the comfort zone is underrated. Okay. <laughs> right? right? <laughs> Thank you for understanding and for the validation. Sometimes I feel like we're so busy getting out of the comfort zone, but did we even experience yet what's in the comfort zone? Right? We want to run and leave and be, you know, who knows who we want to be. But like, there are certain parts of the comfort zone that I think are important. Okay? There's a certain consistency that, uh, you know, routines that you'll learn about one day, <laughs> right? There's consistency. There's family, you know, um, living near family. You know, for me, I moved away from my family and from my friends and from everything I knew as soon as I got married. I don't know how many of you did that as well, but as soon as I got married, and I, in the beginning, it was really, really, really hard, but I kept saying, no, it's good. Get out of your comfort zone. And I, you know, and I realized I didn't, I didn't do it because I made the choice. It was a choice that I made, but it was a choice that I felt was kind of like, the right choice to do. That's why I did it. It wasn't just kind of like, well, let's see how fast I can run away from my family. <laughs> it wasn't that at all, right? But it was just kind of like, at a certain point, you realize there are certain comforts that are necessary and are important and you shouldn't take for granted, right? And those comforts, we should appreciate in life. And we don't have to get rid of them just because they're comfortable, okay? So understand that certain comforts are a blessing and God wants us to have those comforts in life. But then <laughs> there are other comforts that, are, that we are better off, um, you know, trying to grow out of or maybe just expand. I'm not even going to say leave. I'll say expand. If we can kind of expand and extend the walls of our comfort zone, right, so that we're allowing ourselves to be comfortable in bigger places and in bigger areas, which at first is uncomfortable, but then we're kind of bringing that into us. That is extremely beneficial because, yeah, you can stay in your comfort zone your whole life. There's nothing wrong with it. No one's going to kick you out, hopefully. Sometimes 
because we know that we can't control our lives, God actually does say at some point, I'm sorry, this has to happen. You're going to be way out of your comfort zone right now. Of course that happens sometimes. And hopefully, hopefully, please God for all of us, only for good things, okay? Only for blessings. But, you know, it does happen. So the more we're used to extending ourselves past the walls of our comfort zone, the easier life will be when we're pushed out of the comfort zone, right? It's, it's a, a muscle that we learn to use, and it's a muscle that we strengthen by getting out of a comfort zone. But the truth is, even more than that, or in addition to that, you can stay in your comfort zone your whole life, but what happens is that when you remain comfortable, you get pretty bored. You really get pretty bored. And then what happens is, in life, we're never stagnant in life. In life, we're always either moving up or going down. We're going up or we're going down. And if we're not going up, then where are we going? No. Down. So when we stay in our comfort zone, we're really not even staying in the comfort zone because we get bored and we do end up going down. Do you know that? I don't know statistically. Okay, I don't, I'm not like a researcher. <laughs> when I say like statistically or when I say like, According to research, I'm usually referring to like a poll I did on Instagram. Okay? <laughs> so whatever. Okay. So based on all the research I've done, okay, I really think, or it's just like my own observation of life. Um, so just you know, get that out there on a, in transparency. Um, so uh, based on what I believe to be the truth, I think most of the like nasty, awful comments that you read on the internet are written by people. Who are bored in their yeah. right? They're just bored, okay. And what happens when you're bored? You look for people flaws. to you, you look for flaws. You look for problems. You look for the negative. You look for people to hurt because you're just bored. You need some drama in your life, okay? So this is and, and it's really true, you know. I'm, right? I'm using this as one example, but even without, you know, I'm not even talking about internet trolls and commenters and whatever. But in life, sometimes we don't make the right decisions when we're bored with life. Sometimes we do things because we just need excitement and action, but we're choosing the wrong things, right? Um, or sometimes we start feeling, um, we get too involved in our own negative emotions because again, we're just bored. So we need some excitement. So when we constantly challenge ourselves to do more and to be more and to give more, we're, all we're doing is growing and we're, we're going up. So we're not going down. And we're not getting bored and we're not making wrong decisions and we're not doing things that are hurtful either to ourselves or to our families or to other people. So living in the comfort zone, I'm not going to say there's something wrong with that. I'm just going to say that don't do it. <laughs> right? We shouldn't do it because it doesn't end up well. Right? We, don't, we, just, we can't reach the greatest heights. Here's the thing. Okay, and we're going to end with this idea. Here's the thing. I'm going to ask you a question, okay? What is the opposite of pain? Pleasure. Okay, pleasure. 99% of people, when I ask this question, say pleasure because that kind of makes sense. It's also maybe a little um, aesthetically pleasing, like poetic, you know, the pain and pleasure. It kind of goes together, right? Um, So people think that. But... If I, let's say I had a headache this morning, okay? If I had a headache and I took some, you know, Tylenol, emotion, whatever, and then my headache went away. So I was in pain. Yeah, you're not in pain. Now I'm not in pain. Am I experiencing pleasure? No. No, I'm experiencing no pain. 
relief. <laughs> no, right? That's it. It's true. It's true. Did you get paid for that? <laughs> Try Motrin for the best relief. I don't know. No, no, no. No, I'm just saying it was a good answer, but the way you said it was just very like. Um, Advertising. Advertising. <laughs> you want the sponsored ad. You want the best relief. Right? Hashtag not an ad. Okay. So, so we have. So we have. You, you're in pain, and you take some medication, and now you're in no pain. It doesn't mean you're experiencing pleasure. It just means you're comfortable now. You're the same as you were before. Before the pain. That means you're back in your comfort zone, right? You're just comfortable. And I think that a big problem we have when it comes to growth is that. We often, um, we often, we don't like pain. We don't like pain. Who here likes pain? And I think our society, more than ever, r- resists pain. I think people used to have a much higher tolerance for pain and for discomfort than they do today because we have so many comforts and so many ways out of this pain. Now, I professionally, I'm actually um, an addictions professional. And I will tell, so this I could tell you from maybe a little bit more of a professional standpoint, um, that a majority of the time when people become addicted to some sort of um, substance or even a behavior, because there's a lot of behavioral addictions that are not substance related, okay? Uh, but, But even, you know, but substances, mostly, we'll start with that. Usually it comes from one of two things. Either we want something to start or we want something to stop. I either want to start feeling something or I need to stop feeling something. And this is what we reach for because we can't handle this pain that we're in or this discomfort that we're in. I need it to stop. I need it to stop. Or I need it to start. I'm too uncomfortable right now. This is what it comes from, right? And it's important for us to familiarize ourselves and befriend our discomfort a little bit. For us to say, okay, I have a headache now. That's okay. Something wrong with having a headache for a little bit. Let me just kind of feel this out. Now it goes emotionally too. I'm feeling a little sad right now. Instead of jumping to something that will stop it, either by some substance or running to the mall or going on vacation or being a troll on the internet, right? Instead of stopping that pain, that let me feel it for a minute. What am I feeling? Why am I feeling sad? Why am I feeling angry? Let me do something about it, right? We need to learn to feel it instead of blocking it. So in our society today, we don't like pain. We don't like to be uncomfortable. So, the, and I'm gonna tell you the problem with that. The problem is that if there is no pain, there is no gain. Because pain and pleasure are actually not opposites at all. Pain and pleasure go hand in hand. And I once asked this question to a group of college kids. I said to them, well, a few times I asked them, but one particular time when I asked them this question, I said, what is your, I said, who or what is your parents' uh, greatest pleasure? What's your parents' greatest pleasure? And they all said, me. Mm -hmm. And then I said to them, what's your parents' greatest pain? Well, one of them said, my sister. (laughs) But your parents' greatest pleasure is also your parents' greatest pain. Is anyone in here a mother? You are. Okay. What's your greatest pleasure? My my boy. What's your greatest pain? Well, one of them. One of them. Okay, there you go. (laughs) There you go. Exactly. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, guys. 
I am not even talking about a physical pain. I'm not even talking about a child who's difficult. I'm talking about pain doesn't only mean something that hurts. Pain means something that's hard. Effort, right? You put in effort. Nine months of pregnancy. They keep you up at night. Now you're worried about them all the time. That's pain, right? You start a business. Who has more pleasure in life? Somebody who um, um, gets a car as a gift or someone who works for three years and puts away enough money and then buys themselves that car? The second one, when you work for it, you appreciate it more. Somebody who works you know, in a, in a, a low uh, beginner's job in some firm or someone who builds and creates their own business, right? You get more pleasure when you are the creator and you get more pleasure when you put in the pain and you put in the effort. That's just how life works. So here's the problem with the comfort zone. You ready? The problem with the comfort zone is when we are comfortable, we think we're experiencing pleasure instead of discomfort. We're like, life's good. It's okay. I'm not experiencing pain. Everything's okay. When really, we're not experiencing the greatest levels of pleasure that we could experience. You know why? Because we're not going through the pain to get there. And what we're doing is we are rejecting the pain. We're rejecting the effort, resisting it because we don't like the pain, but then we're not letting ourselves get to the pleasure, right? And that's what change does. That's what growth does. And that's our job in this world, by the way. When God created us, he said when he created all of creation, I'm going to stop in a couple of minutes. We're almost done. Just checking the time. Um, when we, when God created all of creation alone, completely by himself. He didn't need any help. Snapped his finger, let there be light, boom, there was light. Let there be a tree, boom, there was a tree, right? All of a sudden, it comes time to create man. And what does God say? Na'ase adam. He says, come, let's make man. Okay, first of all, who's he talking to? Right, it's weird. He's like, come on, come on, guys. Come on, guys, let's create man, Right? I know today, we, uh, talking to yourself is not weird anymore because of like Bluetooth, because of the you know, AirPods. Everyone just talks to all the... I never know who's crazy and who's not. I honestly don't know. It's a little frightening. But <laughs> you, it used to be, you see somebody walking in the street talking to themselves, you know, don't go there. Like, cross the street. They're crazy. Today, we're all crazy. So, so you have... Who was God talking to? Okay, so of course, we have some of the commentaries explain he was talking to the angels. Oh, that's okay. That's nice. But it goes even deeper than that. Ironically... God was talking to the people he was creating. He was talking to us. He was saying, come on, guys. Let's create you. Let's finish creating the world. God was inviting us to be a partner with him in the creation of the world. Now, what's our job in the creation, in creating ourselves? Our job is God said, here, here's the deal, guys. I am going to create the actual you, the form of you. I will give you your body. I will create all the parts of you that you need to survive in this world. I'm going to put you down in that world with a suitcase. And in that suitcase, I will give you all the tools that you need. I'm going to give you your personality. I'm going to give you your financial status, your social status, your looks, your physical appearance, your IQ, your um, everything, whatever, you, you name it, your character, the things that are hard for you, your weaknesses, your strengths. Obviously, he said, you know, your strengths. But God says, I'm also going to give you your weaknesses. Okay, I'm going to give you your anger issues, and I'm going to give you your insecurities. I'm going to give you everything, the whole package. I'm giving that to you, and I'm creating you. 
like this. Now, once I put you down in that world, your job is to actually create yourself with all the things I've given you. You take that suitcase, open it up, and you have to build yourselves. That's your responsibility, not mine. You build the person that you are supposed to be. I'm giving you the potential, right? But you have to do it. And that's why we need to make these changes. And that's why we make New Year's resolutions every year. Mm -hmm. Because every year we realize that we could be more and we could be bigger, right? And we could be better. Every year we know this and we recognize this. So we make those resolutions, but then we fall into these traps of fear and of comfort and of habit. And we're afraid to get past that. So I'm going to tell you one thing. You ready? One piece, one little tip, one little hint. Change is not as scary as we think it is. How do I know? Because let me ask you a question, okay? I don't know. Well... You were all just in high school, like yesterday, right? You're, very, you're all very young. So I can't say, I can't ask you the question I was going to, okay, let me ask you. <laughs> okay, do you still dress in the same fashion that you dressed in when you were in high school? Not at all. Okay, probably, probably many of you don't either, right? Okay, you don't. Okay. Who, I mean, we don't wear the same, okay, some of us don't even wear the same fashion we wore two years ago, right? Do we... Does anyone still use a camera with film that you have to like bring in for them to? Uh, what's the, I don't even remember develop. the words anymore. Deve- oh my gosh, develop! How do you even? I even forgot the terminology. You have to bring in. They develop. Does anyone still use that? Unless you're a photographer, right? Nobody. Okay. Um, does anyone still have that phone with the wire connected to the wall? Right. Sometimes I wish we'd go back to that. Every time I lose my cell phone, I'm like, why can't it be connected to the wall? Right. No, we don't use that anymore. We don't even know what that is. I showed my kids a payphone in like a museum. <laughs> like, what is that thing? How does it even work? Like, it was so weird. My kids didn't know what a stamp was. I showed them a stamp, right? They're playing all day with the stamp. They don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Right? Like they're fascinated by it. They're fascinated. Technology. I showed them a Walkman. They were like, whoa, this is such cool technology. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's really not. Right? But I'm saying we don't, we have developed. It's just important for us to understand we have made so many changes in life without even realizing that we made those changes. Technology keeps changing by the minute. By the minute it's changing, right? Um, fashion is changing. The economy is changing. The weather is changing. I'm here in Miami. It's like literally 11 o'clock in the morning, bright, sunny, gorgeous, 2 o'clock, hurricane, 4 o'clock, we're back on the beach, right? So the, the weather keeps changing. The economy is changing we change as people, right? We are not the same. If somebody knocks on my door, okay, and there's, and my two-year-old answers the door completely naked, okay? So what happens? The person at the door laughs. Okay, that's cute. He probably just came out of the bath, right? That's so cute, a naked two-year-old. If my 10-year-old answers the door naked, that's like, I'm calling social services. Like, this is weird, right? Okay, and obviously if a 20-year-old answers naked, like, don't even go there. Don't let your mind see that visual. Uh, yeah, we, there's something wrong. Okay, if that person talking that, on the, you know, not on the Bluetooth, like there's something wrong. Because why is that? Because we change, our bodies change. I always say, like, I want to just, I want to move to Mars where there's no gravity. Let everything just stay where it is. You know, like our bodies keep changing. Everything changes, and if we understand that. 
that life keeps changing. I remember when I was when I was in my twenties and I'd walk past the construction site where all the workers, you know, mm-hmm. and they'd whistle at me. What's my first reaction? I'd be like, ew, ew. like ew. ew. In my thirties, I walk past the construction site and they whistle at me, and I'm like, I still got it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right? Because it's all the perspective is different because everything changes, right? So. I just want us to leave this talk tonight understanding that we have to make changes in life because that's why we're here. That's why we're in this world, to grow and to become the people we need to be. And we need to get out of the comfort zone to do that, right? Because, um, because we don't want to become those loser, lonely internet trolls, but also because we really need to expand ourselves in order to become the best people we can be. We need to challenge ourselves because we never know how strong we are until we challenge ourselves. You never know how high you can jump until there's a lion chasing you, trust me, Mm -hmm. okay? You don't think you can jump up four stories, but if a lion is chasing you, you can jump up four stories, okay? So we need to have this understanding of why we need to change of uh, the fact that change is not as scary as we think it is because we make all these changes without even recognizing and realizing that we do. And now as we come to our new year, we, we, we can come in with this new energy and this new understanding of, I will make my New Year's resolution. It will last more than 15 days because I'm not afraid. I am not going to let other people's opinions define me or determine my reality. Right? I'm not going to let the fear of other people's judgment inhibit me. I'm going to believe in myself. I'm, I know what I could accomplish. I know who I can be. I'm going to let myself do what I need to do. And this doesn't mean that every single person here needs to become this big inventor or this big everything. You know, Sometimes your entire ambition in life is to be the best wife and mother you can be. And that is wonderful. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, I don't like when people come, make everyone feel like they have to be the biggest people out there in the world. That's not for everyone. But if you're, if you're whatever your dream is, whatever your goal is, whatever your ambition is, you got to go in all the way. You got to lean in completely. You got to be the best of that that you can be without being inhibited, without being afraid to really take it and what other people are going to think. So that's what I offer you. Any questions? Any comments? That's it? Anyone disagree? I like the, I like the fight. Everybody? I'm going to shut this off.